Welcome into episode 61 of the Gump Runners podcast. Chase Thornton, Jeremy Law, Lester Mitchell on the pod with you tonight. Um, summer 2022, uh, end of June, uh, about to roll into July, you know, 60 something days from college football. I think, what is it, guys, like 67 or 66, something like that? I don't, I don't know the number exactly. Uh, one of the lineman numbers days away from, from Alabama football. Kicking out the 2022 season in Tuscaloosa with Florida State. A little bit different than in years past. You know, everybody's used to Alabama playing the games in Atlanta or Dallas or, you know, the the new, um you know, home and away series that they'll be doing here soon. But, uh yeah, starting off at home with the, with the old, you know, tune-up game, like, like, like the good old days, so to speak. But, uh, Lester, J-Law, what y'all been up to, man? How you been doing? Been praying for rain, and we finally got it this afternoon. So oh, <laughs> I'm doing all right. It cooled off a little bit. Damn, where the hell have you been? It's been raining for like a month here, where I where I'm at. So you know, nah, paying the preacher over there. Somebody's got to. Yeah, uh, well, guys, you know we we've we've been talking, you know, throughout the day, throughout the last week, about you know what we want to do with the podcast, what topics we want to cover. And, uh, you know, we wanted to start, we teased it a little bit last week. Uh, we we want to talk today about the NIL. That's the big story in college football. Is it good for college football? Is it bad for it? If it is bad for it, what would you do to fix it? We're going to cover all of that in this episode. Um, you know, does it create more parity in college football or does it, you know, create more fair play, so to speak? Um, you know, we'll go over a little bit of Alabama recruiting. I think Alabama's gotten three or four commits within the last four days, definitely within the last podcast. Um, so, uh, so J-Law, let's start with this NIL talk, man. This, this is something that's taken the college football world by storm. You've got kids making upwards of eight, nine million dollars just to come play for the school now. The NCAA came out and said, that's illegal. You can't do that. Teams are like, I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, you saw the Jaden Rashada uh, that just went to Miami, number one dual threat quarterback in the country. I think he said he made around like $9.5 million to commit to Miami, which is more than what Joe Burrow made last year, who went to the Super Bowl. I mean, this is getting – is it getting out of hand? Is it is it what you expected? Just kind of give a, a – a, you know, a synopsis of what NIL has meant to you and what, and what it's, you know, has it opened your eyes? Just give a, a little synopsis of what the NIL has, has done to you over the last year or so. Yeah, you know, I thought when NIL started, everybody, you know, there's a lot of people saying, oh, this has always been going on. Now it's just out in the open. But I can guarantee you that there has never been a kid in college football make nine, get nine and a half million dollars. Like that, that is not what's been going on. Cam Newton, 160, um, you know, guys getting chargers, whatever it's been, but this has just gotten to a new level. And I think Lester talked about it last year. Like people are going to start paying these kids millions. And you and I were like, oh dude, that's a millions is a little excessive, right? Maybe Arch Manning gets to 750,000. Well, Jane Rashad is at nine and a half. Nico Ayamalaba from whatever is, is at eight and a half million. Um, Lane Kiffin's saying in the offseason, like, I can't believe Bryce Young didn't jump in the portal just to see what he could get from somewhere else. So, I mean, and there's no telling what Kayla Williams and I think Jordan Addison 
was at what, like $5 million, like making more than Jamar Chase or somebody from going from Pitt to USC. Um, it's, it's not sustainable. It won't be sustainable. Um, but this is kind of the world we live in right now. And I don't, I'm not really sure what you do about it, but I think you can, I think you can definitely see that there, there's eventually going to be four or five super conferences and they're all going to be forced to play in my opinion, by the same rules, because you mentioned parody pair. You can't have parody without rules. I think there was parity before. Like, let's just say the 130 teams were playing by the exact same rules, and um, and you have parameters as to how you can recruit, the days you can recruit, what you can do for kids, et cetera. Well, you know, I think that was parity. Parity isn't lets everybody catch up to Alabama and Ohio State, Clemson, and whoever that fourth team has kind of been over the last five or six years by paying guys that's not parity there's no set boundaries there's no set rules so i think you can clearly see this coming to a head where one day they will sit down and say this is what you can do for a player kind of what like alabama's nil is but right now it's it's entirely crazy like, i mean uh there nobody knows the still the small stuff that's going on but like Jaden rashad a nine and a half million dollars in his the guy that's representing him comes out and says that he's talking to schools about their nil and what they can offer they that that's like a, that's an ncaa infraction so somebody's got to step up and enforce the actual rule but i'm not sure there's anybody that can or will well, i think this is just a case of you know i think the the ncaa got pissed off because they could foresee this coming and you know we could see it too being from the south we know that college football this isn't you know it'll never be the nfl we understand that but i think it's a lot bigger market than people realize or people did realize and so everybody was pushing for this nil you know let the players have everything no limits so the supreme court was like sure and then now you know you see what it's getting to and it's just going to get worse i mean it's nine and a half million this year. Next year it'll be 11 or 12 million to get a kid to come to their school. And, uh, and I just, I think that the NCAA can see this coming and they tried to warn people. They're like, Hey, you know, this isn't great. This isn't going to be, uh, you know, it's, it's not, it's going to get worse. And, uh, and now they're just like, you know what, screw it. I'm not going to put forth any work and trying to find, you know, guys cheating whenever, you know, for something that, that got taken out of our hands, basically. But, you know, Lester, like J-Law's talking about, these guys are making more than Jamar Chase, you know, quarterbacks on rookie contracts in the NFL. So my first question to you is, if you're a junior receiver in college and you're projected to go first round, do you come back for your senior year? Do you think it's worth, if you're getting – Four or five million dollars a year. Why would you go pro? Do you think that's something that could take shape if this doesn't get reeled in a little bit over the next five years or so? Well, um, well, we just saw one example in college basketball. Who's the kid from Kentucky? They gave him a nice chunk of change to come back. I believe he was a first rounder. Um, but I think that you know, juniors leaving, that's always been a thing. So you're saying that do you think NIL will make them stay? Yeah, like you know, if uh if you're Lester sure. Mitchell, you know, if you're if you're a junior at, at Alabama, um, and 
you know, you're about to go to the first round in the NFL and you're maybe even, even a top 10 pick, it doesn't matter. But I'm like, Hey man, you know, I'll give you $7 million to come back, which is more than you're going to make your first year in the NFL. And it's not as big as your like entire contract will be, but you know, I mean, do you, would you, would you stay? Would you do something like that? Do you think we'll see that? Sure. I think so. I think, I think in a lot of situations where you guys, where you have, where you have guys leaving early that shouldn't leave early. Um, I think that the NIL money will just sweeten the pot a little bit better to make those guys stay. Cause I mean, Alabama's had several guys over the past couple of years who should have stayed that senior year, but they went ahead and jumped to the NFL and got a third or fourth round grade or, or later or undrafted. So I think if those kids get a little bit of NIL money, you know, I think that will help um, the kids and sisters like that stay um, for sure. But NIL has taken on a whole nother, brands than I, I ever thought that it would be and do you think that that's what the nil was designed for a little bit i mean maybe not the key reason but you know so so they have something right so these kids aren't you know doing all this work for no pay basically now i mean you know they'll get eventual payment if they make it to the nfl but that's such a small number for a college athlete you know trying to get to the to the next level in your sport whether it's the major leagues or or the nfl or the nba um, and so don't you think that's what this was designed for to give like everybody a little piece of the pie, but, and you know, and it's just, everybody's just taking advantage of it. I don't because it's still not a piece of the pie. The NCAA nor the institutions are paying the kids, right. which is originally what people want. Cause the argument was, well, they're made the, the schools, the university, they're making so much money off the kids. The school should pay them. The schools ain't paying a dime to anybody yet. You know what I'm saying? That that's not happening, and, and it's not gonna happen because then you get into the whole, you know, employees and all that kind of crap. The schools aren't paying. It's it's the boosters with 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 the NIL. One of the coolest deals I saw was a freaking barbecue joint in Arkansas gave the offensive lineman free meals or maybe a little payout or stuff like that. I thought stuff like that would be cool in the NIL. What I didn't think that would happen was the boosters getting all the power back now. I never thought that the NRL would turn into that. But it seems as if, you know, the boosters, they're, they're running the show now. And I didn't think the NIL would be or turn, in, turn into that. Not at all. But the, bo- but the boosters did. They, the, the big money schools were, were all about this. Alabama is not one of them. They're probably top they're probably in the top nine, maybe nine or 10, but your Texas, Texas A&M, USC, like those guys were like, we can now go get anybody that we want. And you're talking about keeping guys in college versus going pro. Maybe on Alabama's roster, you're a guy that shouldn't leave early, right? You, you've been starting at linebacker. Let's say Chris Harris. You've been starting at linebacker for three years. It turns out you're an end of the third round draft pick. Alabama's probably not going to pay you money, but there's another school out there, USC, Texas, Texas A&M, um, an Ohio State, or maybe just one school that says, "Man, this is we're not paying a lot of NIL money out because we don't, we're not, we our boosters don't have big pockets." But Chris Harris would, we need a middle linebacker. Chris Harris has started at Alabama for three years. We can can we come up with one point seven million dollars for this guy to stay in college for one for one more year or two point five million, whatever it may be. Will that be tampering? 
Uh, well, look at Jordan Addison. Well, yeah. Look at, at least it Williams. is. I mean, Ooh, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be tampering. Sorry, I cut you off, Jayla. It wouldn't be no, tampering because Chris Harris has bid his time at the University of Alabama. That's my whole issue with the NIL stuff now. That guy, if you want to give a guy here who's been here, played his tail off, did it the right way for three and a half years, if you want to give that guy one, two, three, four, five million to come and stay at your university, do it. My issue is like the Miami case or these other kids where they haven't played a snap and they're getting all the money. That's what I don't like. That Chris Harris situation, if you want to give him a million, whatever to make him stay, you do it. But not some unproven guy coming from wherever high school. Well, that's the key. Like what's happened right now isn't name, image, and likeness. There, there, there is no market set for a, a guy. I mean, just imagine, say you're fresh out of college, right? You're, you might be really good at your first job that you're applying for, and everybody's hitting you with $50,000, $60,000 a year, $70,000 a year. And then out of nowhere, somebody says, all right, we'll give you $3.7 million. But that, but see, that's that's not really the market for your job. That's not based really on your skill set. It might be based on your future skill set, but it's not based on what you can do right now. So it's not really name, image, and likeness. There is no market for there's no market guideline that says this dude is worth this. So that's that's why I'd say it's not a sustainable model because Jane Rashada is he might be worth $10 million, but is he really worth, is it worth $10 million to buy a national championship or is he actually worth $10 million? And I think that's the, such the blurred line of NIL. It's not really a market. We're just hoping to God we get enough guys here that are good and you're really paying for a championship, not actually paying for a, a guy's name, image, and likeness. Well, is, is any college player worth $10 million? And this isn't a one-year, this, is, this isn't a career number. Like this is just to come to the school. So this is a high school kid. Is there any high school kid worth $10 million? And I know maybe to us we're going to say no, but, like, even to a booster. I mean, could you imagine forking over nine and a half millies to a, to a 17, 18-year-old kid? And No. And yeah. No. And, I mean, like, is any high school or college player worth $10 million? High school kid? No. Jimmy Rain's worth a, over – like, a, he's the richest man in Alabama, worth over a billion dollars. Yeah, and he ain't giving a not, damn to NIL. That's what I'm saying. He's not giving anything to NIL because he, the guy's smart in business. The guy in Miami wasn't what he's a. It's one of those little um, digital wallet companies. That's that's the that's their big booster. Like he's the one funding all these guys. And while he has done some legitimate NIL deals, not just with Miami athletes, but with athletes throughout college basketball, college football, he's the one funneling the cash along with probably a few other bigger Miami boosters. To these guys, but how many guys can you get ten million dollars for? Is it worth paying ten million dollars for a quarterback if you don't have any money left to land, you know, a five-star well, receiver, a two five-star receivers? I think they're treating it like the NFL. You know, hey, we got to pay our quarterback big money, and then the receivers will want to come play with the quarterback. You saw John T. Cook go to Texas today. You seen Brandon Ennis and a couple more cats go to go to Ohio State, um, and you know. Uh, Gosh, his name escapes me. He was a, he was committed to Clemson, then he decommitted, and he just committed to Miami a couple of days after Rashada committed. He, he's a high four star receiver, so that's what they're thinking. You know, the the Nico kid at Tennessee. Um, you know, I think the the plan, I guess, or the the uh, 
the vision is, you know, let's get our quarterback some big money and then we can save some for our receivers for NIL, but they're not, yeah, they're, they're not going to go pay a receiver $10 million as well. He might get two or three, but you know, uh, another recruiting tool is, you know, Hey, we've got our big guy coming in, our big quarterback, you get to play with him. So Lester, what happens if Jaden Rashada or so it, that their NIL deals literally come to school, right? So what happens if they go ink the deal and the deal cannot say that you have to perform? Um, I'm not even so sure it can actually say that you have to go to that school in theory, right? So what happens when Nico gets, what, $8 million up front? Or, heck, even if they've structured it to be over three years, what happens when he goes there and takes $3.5 million from you after the first year and says, all right, um, Bryce Young transferred. Alabama actually has a national championship roster. Uh, I'm just going to go to Tuscaloosa and maybe take NIL money, maybe not. But at that point, what are you worried about? By the time you're a junior, yeah, you can – if you're thinking about being an NFL draft pick, yeah, you can think about NIL money in college. But if you're an NFL quarterback that makes it to a second contract that's, you know, top 20 in the league, dude, you're now making – 22 to what 30 million dollars a year something that you'll never see in college per year like I think that that's such a dangerous game because there's going to be guys that take five or six million dollars from an NIL collective they're on campus for one year you got to pay the money because you both signed the contract and that guy's never to be seen again or he pulls a kiffin and goes from Tennessee to Alabama or to your school's biggest rival are these contracts though? Are they signing contracts for these, or is like is NIL could be like, hey, you know, I'm going to give you a thousand dollars to be on this podcast. You come on this podcast for an hour, I give you a grand. There was no contract. No, it's a, ver- a, it's a verbal agreement. I hope has a contract, to, everything has to go through the schools. Supposed to any yeah. collective supposed to go through the schools, whatever. So, like when if we were to get a guy on this podcast, we would have to deal with the schools collective which also goes through compliance supposed to i'm not sure they're probably not doing it right but supposed to well okay so i think we've touched on this before lester how much power we talk about the boosters and how much power they have again um it's something that i saw i I definitely saw it i I told y'all now granted i I did not know it was going to get into the you know, almost the, the double digit millions of dollars per, per year, or maybe not per year, but, you know, to come, to come to your school. Um, but I did think, you know, it would get into maybe into the millions, not right away, but maybe in a couple of years. Cause it's just like coaches salaries, you know, it's going to start here. Then every year it's going to get more and more and more. We got to pay more and more and more for these top five-star guys. Um, but I did see this getting out of control because I knew what kind of market college football is and how cutthroat recruiting is in general, much less, you know, when you can legally pay players. Um, And so I kind of had an idea. I didn't know it was going to be this extreme, but with the boosters having all the power, like you said earlier, um, how much does this roll over to practice, them being at practice, um, them being, uh, them making decisions throughout the week, then maybe calling plays, you know, setting depth charts. How much of a factor is that going to play? Maybe not right away, but over a couple of years, because you know, hey, I'm the one that paid this guy nine and a half million dollars. I don't want him redshirt, and he's got to play now. How much of that is going to come into play over the next couple of years? I hope zero. At okay, at Alabama, 
I hope zero. When well, Alabama, came in, you can't he won't mind now. Keep Alabama the does the hell out the way. Alabama's doing it different than everybody else. We're not going to go yeah. out and give somebody six million dollars. Yeah. Um, and if they do it, Saban's you know Saban didn't approve that or whatever because like Jimbo, you can't tell me Jimbo doesn't know what's going oh, he on. Knows. He yeah. knows everything that's going on. Crystal Ball knew exactly what was going on in Miami. Um, yes. Saban knows what's going on with his boosters, and if they went behind his back and did it, he'd be pissed off. Um, but so I'm not saying necessarily Alabama, but you know Texas A&M. Oh, for sure, it's going to be a big yeah. issue. I mean that that is something that you know. Once the boosters get these guys on campus, they've washed their hands clean of it. It's up to Jimbo Fisher. It's up to, you know, the guy at Tennessee. It's up to, you know, um, guy at USC, whatever, whatever his name is. They have to manage those egos. And, man, God bless them. That is going to be tough. Because, what, this is the first really, really big year with NIL. What about the next class? The next class. And the next class, next thing you know, you have a defensive line room worth $50 million and half the guys in here suck. You know what I mean? But they all got their money. They're all paid and they don't care. You know what I mean? You hear stories recently of guys who are great at their sports, professional athletes, but they don't love it. You know what I mean? They just do it because this is a way out of the crappy circumstances where I'm from or, you know, get mom out the hood or something like that. So I think that they're going to – coaches are going to have to manage it, and it's going to be ugly. You think it's bad now with coaches telling other coaches and kids, talking to other kids about how much money and how much yada, yada, yada that they're getting? It's going to get worse. Because like you said, like we've all said before, all these kids talk. All these kids are telling other coaches what they're getting. It is some severe – ego management that has to go on and i hope that it stays far from alabama because that stuff will tear up a locker room it'll sure. tear up a, a position group you know what I, you know what i mean yeah. so it's it's gonna be it's something big is gonna happen like really really big and it's gonna be bad for a school i don't know who i don't know where but it's gonna stem from a situation like that jayla do you see uh these boosters trying to take over a program, maybe, maybe not Alabama, but at certain schools, you know, a good example is like, like Miami, you know, the guy that you were talking about, the digital watch guy, he buys Jaden Rashada and Tyler Van Dyke played really good last year um, in the absence of Derek King. And uh, he's only a sophomore. So he'll be back this year and next year. Well, next year it'll be Rashada's freshman year. He's coming in the nine and a half million dollar man. And uh, that booster's like, Hey, uh, coach crystal ball. I don't care that he threw for 4,500 yards last year and 40 touchdowns. Van Dyke's on the bench. This guy's playing, or else he's going to be in the portal. I'll pay him his money, and he'll go. I mean, do, you, do you see some of that happening? Oh, well, it's definitely going to happen. And if you go back to last year, you know, NIL kind of was done the right way, especially kind of locally. Bo Nix, John Mechie doing interviews, making money. Lester's talking about the – I think the Nebraska kid, they like the tight end. Or that was the Kansas guy, the, the fullback that called the ball against Texas to win it. And, you know, like a local restaurant gave him free food for the rest of his life as an NIL deal. But going into this year with the amount of money that's being deposited into these kids' bank accounts by the boosters, you know, we, we talk about one of the schools in this state that have boosters that like to get their hands dirty and they want to do everything and they want to roam the sidelines and they want to – hang out with coach and go to their Lake Martin mansion and tell them what to do. Like that's about to get so much bigger. 
Because no matter how much money you pay Jimbo Fisher, if he walks into a booster room at Texas A&M, dude, he's the poorest person there. He's the person with the least amount of power there. And, um, and I think they know that because Jimbo Fisher, the boosters know that, because Jimbo Fisher wasn't landing number one recruiting classes before NIL. And if NIL goes away, he will never land another one. That's just who Jimbo Fisher is. He's, he's not a, a truly relentless recruiter. Um, and in the SEC at A&M, he, he wouldn't have been a number one recruiting class guy. So now the money has rolled in to Nolan Smith and all these other guys that they had and they landed the big-time quarterback in their class. Like the boosters who are paying these guys 500000 to $3.5 million to get them on campus, they're going to want to see these guys play. So what happens in week six this year when Nolan Smith hasn't taken a snap because he's a freshman in college and he can't compete in the trenches in the SEC? That's when all this is going to get interesting. And I think that's going to make these college coaches like Lincoln Riley, who are making 10 to $12 million a year, say, you know what, dude, I can make 10 to $12 million a year in the NFL. And I have to listen to three people. And these people give me the players that I have to win with, as opposed to the $12 million you can make at USC while 25 to 30 people are telling you what to do. You have to play who they tell you to play. And it, it, it should, I think it's just going to be a bigger headache for coaches than uh, a lot of people realize. But I could definitely see that happening. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen this year. It wasn't last year because everything was kind of just set in motion. It's going to happen this year. And, and unfortunately for the kids, there's going to be some players that get put into a circumstance they're not ready for. And I think it could be bad in that scenario, too, because they're, they're not ready to play college football and you're throwing them out there in an SEC West contest when they're 18 years old. So uh, it's, it's not, it's probably going to be pretty for a lot of people this year, but for some, it will pay off. Yeah. And, you know, it's one thing that me and Lester talk about all the time is that, you know, you get paid nine and a half million dollars and uh, you know, how many guys are going to continue to get up at five o'clock in the morning and go to the gym? How many are going to continue to go run routes, go work on their agilities, go work on their arm strength or whatever. Uh, it's going to be very few. And, you know, that, that, that could be another case is that these kids are going to be thrown into the fire and not only are they not physically ready to play at the college level um, as a day one starter, but they haven't worked out in two or three months. They haven't thrown enough. Their arm strength hasn't gotten any better because their work ethic has depleted ever since the millions hit their bank account. Because, I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm human. I, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'd probably do the same thing. I mean, if you were paying me that much money, I mean, you see it all the time. Guys get big contracts in the NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, and they flame out or they just have a couple of bad years because they, they get fat and happy. And millions of dollars will make you do that. Uh, and so, you know, but now that we've established what NIL is, what we think about it, the issues with it, we, we all know what the good is, right? I mean, like J-Law was talking about, Lester, like, you know, starting out what Bo Nix did, what Mechie did, you know, doing interviews on radio shows, doing the Milo's Tea, the Raisin Canes, whatever it was, that's what NIL was supposed to be. That's what we enjoy about it. That's fine with us. That's the good in it, right? Can you think of anything else that you've seen that, you know what, you're like, you know what, good for you. That's what – that's what NIL should be. Can you think of anything off the top of your head? Because I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's stuff out there, but I'm struggling to find it. 
Yeah, not 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 really. Um, all the attention goes to the guys. Like I said, the unproven kids out of high school and how much money, quote unquote, they're getting. Um, you don't really see like a heartfelt story of kids signing autographs, getting paid for it, or you know something like that, which is what kind of we thought the spirit of the deal with of NIL would be. Um, yeah, I mean, you don't really see any heartfelt. So, I mean, I guess Nike gave an NIL deal to two high school girls. They were sisters um, somewhere in, in America. But, uh, yeah, NIL now is about all these college kids um, getting these absurd amount of money from these desperate schools. I think that's nothing I look at, too. How much does Miami, Texas, Tennessee, how bad do they want to be good? They want to be so bad that they're being stupid. <laughs> um, you know, you don't see Alabama being that desperate for anybody. So, um, yeah, I haven't seen very many um, heartfelt NIL deals or anything like that recently. Maybe Alabama needs to be desperate. We'll talk about that shit in a little bit. But, uh, all right, now that we've laid the foundation of what we think about NIL, uh, my next question, I want to start with – J-Law, we'll start with you. Um what would you do to fix it? If you're in charge, and I don't know who's in charge. I don't know the Supreme Court. I don't know if they need to create a commissioner or whatever it is. I don't know. But if Jeremy Law was put in charge, of, they're saying, hey, all this is on the table in front of you. You know about it. You know how it's run. Please help us fix it. What would you come up with? What would you suggest? Dude, what do you – I mean, the, the it's – you have to have some type of boundary, but they're not, they're not going to have it in, in the NCAA. It's like I said earlier, there's going to be a four team, uh, four conference, four super conferences in this league. <laughs> like, say goodbye to the WAC and the Sun Belt, sorry, Troy, whatever conference you're in. Like, you're not going to be a part of Division One football anymore. And they're going to make these dudes, the only way to fix it is to, to bring it together make these guys paid athletes, and it's just going to be big boy football. Like I could see guys, teams like Vanderbilt and some of the lower lower level teams that are already in Power 5 conferences just disappearing because they're not going to be able to play the game. And that's okay, but Alabama's not playing the same game as Vanderbilt. A&M is not playing the same game as Wake Forest. So there's going, to, there's going to have to be four or five super conferences. They're going to have to come together and say, these are the rules we're playing by. And then when you filter it down to you lessen the number of schools, I think you could have a legitimate task task force, if that makes sense, to enforce NIL and say what's right and what's wrong and how you can manage this, to how you can manage it going down the road. Because kids are going to get NIL deals. That's not going away. So let's put it this way. The Supreme Court said there's going to be that you cannot stop somebody, especially in the context of college athletics, from making money off of their name, image, and likeness. Um, and it's kind of what Nick Saban said. The way that Alabama and, and, and really other schools, Clemson, I think, is probably doing it more of the right way than a lot of people. They're doing NIL the right way. There's going to, there's going to be a this is how much money you make to play football in the Super Conference, is it? Um, $300,000 one-time chunk, or they pay you $300,000 over a four-year period, whatever it is. And now, since you're on campus, you are going to be able to say, my performance has led to me being 
um, able to make money off my name, image, and likeness. There's like the super boosters are going to be done away with. There's going to, I wouldn't be surprised if the digital wallet guys like not allowed, like kids, since he's a known booster, will not be allowed to sign kids up with the NIL deal with his company. I can see things like that go, going and happening down the road because boosters are supposed to make the program better, donate to build facilities. And, you know, like just being alumni, this is not what it's meant to be. And to me, that's like the only way to fix NIL because of the legalities of it. I'm not sure what else you could do. Well, uh, a question I have for you, because I, my answer is very similar to what you're talking about. I think there has to be some kind of lump sum per player. That way you don't uh, – You see, and I heard a lot of former players talking about this, including an Alabama coach recently. Um, I heard him talk about it, and, and one of the things he mentioned was issues in the locker room. He said not at Alabama because, like you said, they're doing it the right way, a lot like Clemson is, but he said that he could easily see – these college kids where, you know, if your quarterback's making $10 million this year and your left tackle or your center is making 200000 there's going to be an issue there because without that center, without that left guard or left tackle, that quarterback's not performing. And he's not, you know, that's going to be his cap or whatever. And, you know, if his work ethic suffers and, uh, you know, it hurts the team, there's going to be some pissed off guys in the locker room and uh and you know if he you know gets a smart mouth about it or stays cocky or whatever and it's going to happen uh this coach said that there that's going to become a big time issue in some of these locker rooms where these guys are forking out you know hundreds of millions of dollars to these recruiting classes and uh and so i agree with i i agree with what you're saying about a lump sum you know whether you're a backup safety or a starting quarterback this is what you get to come to the school. Um, it's I, And it's got to be the same, right? That's what we're thinking. Um, but how – do you think if they were to try to put a cap on this thing, do you think there would be a crackdown on these boosters um, with them going – you know, calling these recruits in high school saying, hey, if you come here, I'll give you so-and-so and so-and-so in NIL. You know, you can do this for me and I'll pay you this much. Is there, but what I'm saying is, is there going to be a cap also on what the boosters can pay them per event? Like, say this guy at Miami goes and does a radio show, a one-hour interview, and he, you know, he makes a million bucks for that. But yet at Alabama, a guy does a one-hour interview on jocks and gets paid two hundred thousand. Is there going to be a cap on what, like, in like certain events that you can do? Is it going to be like even limited farther than the lump sum? Or it's like once you get the lump sum and you get on campus, it's a free for all. Yeah, I, I think it's. it's I, sorry, yeah, go Lester. for it. Go for it. I think it's important to note that it is still at this at this moment. It's still illegal for boosters to talk to recruits. It is still illegal for people who donate money, alumni, boosters, etc., that are affiliated with the school, especially the known boosters, to have any engagement with kids in high school about to entice them in any way, shape, form, or fashion for them to go to your school. But I think if you can get this down to a smaller pool of schools and actually have a, a governing body that has some nuts to, to, to crack down on this. And I, and I think that in the new model of football that is coming with whoever that commissioner is, whether it's Nick Saban or Josh Pate from 24 seven sports, whatever, like it, that it, the boosters are not going to be allowed to sit down with schools. And I think that the, that the NCAA or whoever the governing body is going to say, um, 
man, uh, it doesn't make any this this interview for a million dollars to talk on a radio show once a week for 10 weeks out of the year. That's not worth a million dollars. Um, you got to sort something out. I think transactions are going to be able to be visible, um, especially when it comes to those players being involved and potentially talking to boosters. I think there's going to be crackdowns at multiple levels, not only to catch the big ones, but to try to catch some of the things that might be slipping by. Because right now we all know that there's going to be some kids in Texas who aren't worth $6 million. They're going to be posing beside Texaco and Chevron signs and doing all this, what or the ever with the old money. And I think in the future of college football, they're going to say, you know what, uh, for this guy to be featured on a 30 second television commercial for you, probably not worth $20 million. We're going to, we're going to need to audit this as the IRS would do probably. So I, I think that all that is possible to be able to be done. And you're, you're thinking that since you had the four super conferences or whatever, It'll, it won't be like these guys have to cover 130 teams. They'll have to cover, like, what, 60. You see what I'm saying? Is that what you're yeah. thinking? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can see that. Um, of course, you know, I also, you know, had this, this feeling that since they made it a free-for-all, I think that, number one, if you try to cap it, people are going to be pissed off. Uh, players are going to be pissed. Coaches are going to be pissed because – I think that goes back to the parity that we've seen because, you know, like, dude, honestly, right now, teams have a recruiting advantage over Alabama. Kids don't care about national championships. We'll talk about recruiting briefly here in a couple of minutes. I want to get Lester's opinion on the NIL. But I think that, you know, that million-dollar radio show I was talking about, if the governing body was like, hey, this is a a $10,000 interview, they'd be like, oh, okay. So they'll pay him $10,000 through the NIL company, and then they'll slip him $100,000 in cash. I think that'll happen easily. There's always going to be, you know, holes for these boosters to try to sneak, you know, sneak through and these loopholes that they're going to find. But Lester, you know, me and J-Law kind of seeing eye to eye on this whole thing. Are you seeing anything different? If, if I was to put Lester Mitchell in charge of this governing body and saying, hey, look, here's, it, here's what's going on with the NIL. We don't agree with how it's gotten out of hand. We need you to, we need you to fix this. What are you going to do? First of all, um, the big conferences thing, yeah, I can I can kind of see that to a little bit, but what I am not going to do is advocate for communism here. Everybody gets paid the same price for everything. But uh, I, if I were in charge, number one, boosters are hands off and no NIL deals for incoming freshmen, none, period, whatsoever. From the time you're recruited until the beginning of your sophomore year in college, the coaches and the merit of that university should be your only deciding factor of where to go to school. In my opinion, NIL is what you have done or what you are currently doing. Up until you get to college, in my opinion, you haven't done Jack Diddley squat, despite your yards, your 40 time, your camp time, um, state championships, whatever. You don't mean a single thing to anybody in the world of college sports. My rule would simply be nothing, no NIL deals until your sophomore year of school. That way, that NIL money is based off of what you have done. 
how good you actually are. If Bryce, like him, he came in and started as a freshman, balled his tail out, you know what? That sophomore year, I hope it's somebody, I hope there is someone lined up to give him, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten million dollars. Please do. Or someone like, I don't know, someone who blew up, maybe their sophomore year of school. You know, someone who blew up that freshman year. Okay, your sophomore year, you are primed to go get your money and go get paid. You know why? That helps out better in the locker room, too. Hey, this guy led us to a national championship. This guy led our team in receiving. This guy led our team in sacks and tackles. You know what I mean? Because you have done something. You have done things in the booster's eyes, in the fans' eyes, and your teammates' eyes that you actually deserve this money, this opportunity to make this X amount of dollars. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of this crap, you know, a lot of the criticisms of NRL are coming because these kids haven't done anything substantial in the world of college football to deserve this. Like I've said, like we have all talked about so many times, how many five-star busts, can't-miss prospects have come through and have done jack shit for Alabama or any of these, you know, top-rated schools, supposedly the best quarterback, running back, DB, whoever, to come out of the state in 50 years, whoever, and haven't done anything. That's where that's where my main problems with with NIL with NIL is. You haven't done anything. Get to college. Focus on why you actually want to go to that school. Do you want to play for a national championship contender? You like the coach? You like Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, that, but whoever. The merits of the university should be your deciding factor for school, not who can pay you the most. That's why, as commissioner, no NIL deals coming into college until your sophomore year of school. You've got to prove something to show that you're worth it. I like that, too, and I get where you're coming from. Um, the only thing is that, you know, I think that uh, with – and I think if they would have come out and done that originally, I think that would have been the perfect plan. I really do. Because like J-Lo was talking about earlier, it is. Yeah. you're literally making money off of your name off your image and off your likeness. Correct. And, you know, and, but I, I just think that with it, uh, and what me and JLo are saying now, it's not communism. It's just like, you know, everybody, everybody gets something because everybody's getting everything now, basically. And so like you come in to, if these super conferences are going on and there's 12 teams per conference. I don't even know if they can find 60 teams to make a super conference. I mean, I don't know if they can find 15 teams to make a super conference right now. Um, it would be tough uh, because the teams that were blue bloods in the nineties, you know, they're, they're just, they're about non-existent like Nebraska, not sure if they can ever get back to where they were in the nineties. Um, maybe Florida state too. We'll see. Maybe they get the right guy in there, but you know, we're just saying, you know, just for committing to this school, you get whatever, $70,000 per year. That way, at least everybody's getting something. You know, even if you're a backup and you never play it down, at least you get something. Um, now, walk-ons, I don't think should get anything. Uh, you know, I think you have to be a scholarship player. But uh, Lester, I like what you're saying there. You know, 
it, you know, don't don't give them anything as a freshman. That's just saying make them earn everything, right? And even right. if you're saying this is true, even if you start as a freshman, right? That's yes, that's if what you you're start saying. as a freshman, your sophomore year, rack up, get sure. that money. Um, but you know, you, you know, you got to think about like on Twitter when NIL stuff started. You know, the question was, you know, who would have made the most in the NIL over, you know, while they were in school? Yeah. You lift off, you know, Cam and Tebow and all these things. Do you know why those players are listed? Because people know who they are because they balled out on the field. Not one person listed a recruit who would have made the most in the NIL era. You know what I mean? Right. Um, what do you what are your opinions on if this is to happen, the transfer portal? Like, do you think the transfer portal should be a free-for-all? Like, like J-Lo was talking about earlier, what Kiffin said about Bryce Young when he was like, that guy's a fool for not just entering the portal just to see, you know, what he could get. Because um, it could have been in the range of $10, $12 million uh, for his final year of college going into his junior year. Um, so would you keep the transfer portal like it is, or would you make it to where, you know, you've got you've to sit out a year? Um, I – Ooh, I would make the transfer portal like it is. I, uh, yeah, I, I'd keep it like it is. Sure. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, that's tough. Transfer portal is a different animal, but for this argument's sake, I, I'd keep it like it is. But like I said, NIL can still happen as long as you've, you know, passed that fresh first year of college. Have y'all thought about how, you know, they say they can't do anything about NIL, but they are, they, they do have rules about what you can't do. Like you can't um, be in a, like you can't represent an alcohol company or a tobacco company or like probably the porn industry or, you know, like there, they are, there are set standards. Like why can't they keep going with the standards? It's, I think the big key is like, nobody knows what you can and can't do. And nobody's going to get sued in two years for a hundred million dollars because they did something that somebody's going to actually turn out. Well, oh crap, we couldn't do that. So I think that's one of the biggest things too. Is like the NCAA is not going to step up and say, "Oh, you can't do that because you don't know what you can and can't do in this NIL." So yeah, and I, uh, think, I think that's just the NCAA saying, "You know what? Well, I mean, whatever. Like we're going to put forth." minimal effort on this because we told you this is going to happen. We didn't want to do this. Um, and y'all just called us a bunch of a-holes and, uh, you know, said that we were being stubborn and selfish and everything. And so, you know what, screw y'all back at you. Um, but uh, anyway, moving on from, from NIL, got about 10, 15 minutes left on the podcast here. We're going to hit some Alabama recruiting really quick in the last uh, week or so. Alabama's picked up couple of recruits, um, starting with Brayson Hubbard, the uh, the stud out of Pascagoula, Mississippi, and uh, Cole Adams. Guys, we have to start here. Uh, I, I, this is uh, – are we getting are we getting a little triggered, uh, J-Law? I mean, you're a recruiting guy. You're getting more and more involved with recruiting because I think you're, like, on the message boards now. You're, you're learning how big it is. Um. Are we getting a little worried? Because I am personally, because, you know, this isn't, these aren't, these aren't guys that, that, and we talked about this earlier. These aren't guys that decommit on signing day because they're bought to go somewhere else. These aren't guys you have to worry about. These are guys ranked 
lower than 300 coming to the University of Alabama. They're pasty. They're white. Uh, they're a safety and a receiver. Um, I don't like this look from Nick Saban, and I don't really give a shit how well you perform at a camp. Uh, I know Saban's a, kind of a big camp guy. I'm personally not. I don't care. Uh, you know, anybody can have a good weekend. You look at Eli Holstein, I think he's like, what, number nine in the Elite 11 rankings right now, even though he showed out last time he was there. So, you know, things can fluctuate. And I'm very iffy about offering guys on camp or on camp performances. Uh, so, J-Law, let's, let's talk about these two crackers that <laughs> Alabama like, – I mean, dude, look, if I – if I asked, if I told you, hey man, Alabama got to commit from a 5'10, 180-pound guy, aren't you gonna ask me, oh, does he play shortstop or second base? I yeah, mean, listen, man, I, I, baseball player Bill, dude. I mean, that, that's pathetic. It to me, I I I would rather sign 22 and go pick as many guys as you want out of the portal. Like we were talking earlier, like how many times does a like you don't find that for, for, let's forget about if they're a, a pasty white guy or not. Like, there's not – like, the guys are three stars for a reason most of the time. Like, how many times does a Josh Jacob hit? Like, that's a lottery ticket. Your scholarship, dude, that's one of the guys on your roster that could have been a top 100 guy. And they're not all Josh Jacobs when you hand one of those out to, a, you know, an unproven commodity. And these recruiting services are so good right now. I mean, there's a reason why like 65% of five stars that go to Alabama get drafted in the first round because those guys are freaking good. I mean, like that, that's just – those guys are good and the recruiting services are good. So wasting a scholarship on a Brayson Hubbard, I do, I'm not saying that these guys are definite misses. But we have plenty of examples of definite – there are way more examples of definite misses when we when we waste a scholarship on a guy that's ranked 350 or lower than it is on a guy that we get ranked 150 or higher. I mean, we just wasted a scholarly on Dane Shore. We've got tons of guys that we've brought through the doors of this program, Damian George, because we thought we could land Zach Evans. You know, like I'll take a Damian George if you think you might be able to get a, a, a Zach Evans. But, dude, who are you getting with Cole Adams? There's nobody else in the state of Oklahoma that's even remotely good at football. Who are you getting with Brayson Hubbard? He plays quarterback. He's never even played defense, and you're going to project him as a safety. Dude, go get Caleb Downs. Go get Peter Woods. Go get Russaw. Use some NIL money. And then if you don't get all the guys you want on signing day, I guarantee you there are tons of dudes out there that were really good at the college level, at the school they were at the year before that would say, dude, if Nick Saban calls, if, this, if somebody tampers a little bit with me, I'll jump in the portal and I'll go to Alabama and I have three years of college experience because Alabama's proven they can go get whoever they want out of the portal. Gibbs, Ricks, J-Mo, um, Tyler Harrell. I mean, they will go – Burton, they will go get who they want out of the portal. And you can get as many guys as you want out of the portal as long as you are under the scholarship limit. So I think these are wasted spots. And it's like you, you just never know how many big names, like you just the guys you just rattled off who are really good. And I know like Addison was looking for money, but that's not always going to be the case. You know, he's at Pittsburgh. 
Kenny Pickett leaves for the draft, and he's like, you know, I'm not going to win a championship here. I'm not going to have a shot to play in the college football playoff, so let me go to a playoff contender. And, you know, they might look at Alabama. You see what I'm saying? They'd be, a, lot of, a lot of guys, that would be their number one choice. Like Jameer Gibbs, I'm sure that was his reasoning. Hey, look, I'm never going to run behind a solid offensive line here at Georgia Tech. That's why I had to catch the ball so damn much. Um, because we can't line it up and run it on people. Uh, I'm never going to get a chance to play in a conference championship or a college football playoff. So let me transfer somewhere who will. And, uh, you know, and, and Alabama beat, beat everybody out for him. Um, but, yeah, these guys right here, like, ugh. Yeah, I mean, Lester, who's the, who was the last great white safety in the Southeastern Conference? Oh, sheesh. I mean, uh, Benny was probably average. Say maybe slightly above average. He'd make a play every now and then. He's a good special teams player. Yeah. Sheesh. But have you ever seen a white safety in the SEC in the last 30 years? Didn't LSU have one? No. Kirby. Kirby Smart. <laughs> Kirby Smart. <laughs> John Mangum. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um. White receivers. Who was the last great white receiver in the SEC? Not tight end. I'm not, you know, you can't don't throw Brock Bowers down my throat. I'm talking about white receiver at 5'10, 180 pounds. I mean, well, hell, if he was 6'3, 220, okay, maybe. But you just got another slade bowl and everybody go, ooh, he's so fast. Like, dude, he's fast in high school. Everybody's fast in high school. I mean, Jesus, good lord. That's just this is just shit. It's just driving me nuts, and I don't know what the hell did he think that Slade Bolden like performed last year? Could he not see that these guys they're not going to transfer? You know why? Because nobody wants you. You know who wants you? Eastern Washington, where Cooper Cup played. Those guys want you. You're not the next Cooper Cup, buddy. Cooper Cup didn't go to Georgia. Cooper Cup went to Eastern Washington and then broke busted out once he got into the NFL. This this guy. Like, Slade Bolden, these guys are going to stay in your program for five years. They're going to eat up scholarships, and they're going to hurt development. Last year, I truly believe that Slade Bolden, he hurt the development of our young wide receivers. Not saying that Ajayi Hall would have gotten his head out of his ass if if he actually had a spot to compete for. But who knows? If Slade is not there, if if we had never given a scholarship to the number 500 player in the country – out of Slidell, Louisiana, whatever the hell he was from, um, who also, J-Law, played quarterback in high school, just like the Hubbard kid who's ranked like 538 or something. Um, if, he, if he was never given a scholarship, then you're looking at, you know, J-Mo and Mechie had the top two spots locked down, but that third spot, you got competition. You've got Holden. You've got Earl, Leary, Brooks, Ajayi Hall. And then, you know, may the best man win. We're going to try to give y'all as equal reps as we can, um, equal opportunity. And then whoever takes the bull by the horns gets it. We're going to determine this um, by, you know, the third game of SEC play, whatever the case is. Um, and then, you know, JMO and Mechie are absent. The second half of the Natty game, you got Slade Bolton your freaking number one. That shit's scary. And I think that truly hurt our roster last year. Um, but, uh, you know, just just terrible commits by Alabama. 
uh, terrible. I, I, I don't, you know, J-Lo, I think it's okay. If you get one camp guy a year, don't you agree with that? With, you know, that's, that's fine. You know, somebody just absolutely shows out. You just, you like Amari Niblack last year, like didn't have a division one offer. Came over, he's 6'4", 220 pounds. He looks the part. He's jumping over guys. He's running by guys. Okay, I get it. We've got we've taken three in the last, like, three days, dude. Well, yeah, and I agree. I mean, like, I'm just screwing around on the, on the computer. You know, Cooper Cup played at Eastern Washington. Like, people no doubt, will bring sure. Up, yeah, I'm saying people will bring up those instances. But, again, like, dude, how many of those guys are hits? Like, Especially in the college game, I'm not talking about the NFL game, like just in the college game, like in big time college, but like how many of those dudes are hits? Like Jackson Dude, Bratton, Simon Jackson we, Bratton, that linebacker. Hey, 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 about it earlier. We talked let's about it earlier. About, let's not forget about national champion Will Lowry. My God. <laughs> but like, I, I told y'all earlier, I said, name the white <laughs> skill players that have been worth the shit since the, in the last decade. There's been two Christian McCaffrey. And Hunter Renfro at the at the elite level. This ain't Eastern Washington, you know. And, and I mean, I guarantee you, Cooper Cup wouldn't have been catching for sixteen hundred yards in the SEC. I mean, like it, it, this Hunter Renfro, Christian McCaffrey. That's it. Like, if there's no one to slip my mind. I apologize. Sorry. There's three or there's four, but this is not somebody that you waste scholarships on at the University of Alabama. You don't waste one scholarship on a much less two and we got justin jefferson everybody's like oh he's fast give a shit give a shit if you run a four three playing linebacker what are your ball skills like can you play the run are you fooled by the play action like there's so much that goes in what are your instincts like like can you read the the formation pre-play uh you know there's so much that goes into playing linebacker in the sec like you know what if we're if we're troy or south alabama i'm ecstatic that we got this guy, but we're supposed to be getting the dogs. We're supposed to be getting top 50 guys. And yeah, it's not always about numbers, but buddy, 80% of those guys are legit up there. I mean, yeah, not all of them are going to be hits in the, in the top 50, but you know, 30 of them going to be pretty damn good in college. Important to note that Alabama did have Richard Mullaney and Garrick Dieter in back-to-back years. Yes. Um, we did Why? win a national championship with Richard Mullaney. But I, I, I get it. Listen, I, I'm not for waste. In the transfer portal era, when you can go get seven or six, seven, eight, literally however many guys leave if you're full on scholarships is how many guys you can go get from the portal. Look at Lane Kiffin. If I'm Lane Kiffin, Dude, I'm just saying, you know what? I'm not going to sign – like, the state of Mississippi is a barren wasteland of high school talent. Like, there's, like, three guys a year that are, like, upper-tier SEC-caliber guys that come out of the state of Mississippi. If I'm Lane Kiffin, I sign those three guys, and I hit the portal just like I did this year. And I load my roster up with juniors and seniors that were starting at, in other conferences, and I take my chances with an experienced roster – as opposed to hoping to God that some of these guys, you know, they hit, that the that right card flips over and you got 21. I, I, I see that – they've already talked about how the portal and everything is affecting recruiting, but from a big-time college football fan standpoint and Alabama fan standpoint, 
dude, why why are you wasting a scholarship on a guy that's ranked 585th? It doesn't make any sense because you can go out next year and get the dudes you want that are bona fide players. Yeah, well, I mean, with all the negatives that come with those three nobodies that we signed uh, or that we offered and and they committed this week, you know, we did get a big dog. We got an Alabama SEC caliber player in Lester's cousin, Tony Mitchell, Thompson, Alabama. He's not really related to Lester. We'd definitely be – he'd be here on this podcast for NIL, $10. We can all afford that maybe. But uh, we we could we could come we we could we could scrounge up ten bucks I guess to get Tony Mitchell on the podcast. But uh, this is this is the dog. This is the guy that we need. This is a six two DB, um, not a five ten white receiver. Um, he's got ball skills. He's got speed. He's got athleticism. He's one of the best cover corners in the country, and uh, and he'll come in and 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 compete and probably won't start next year. Maybe then the year after. You know, Alabama's very thin at DB after this year. Uh. It's Rick's a sophomore, junior. Okay, Rick Rick's is a junior. So, of course, if he, he can go pro, if he has a studly year. But you know, Kool Aid's got to come back. Um, Kyrie Jackson's a senior, and then you know you got guys came in last year. Um, Earl Little, you know, Traquan Fagans. You had a couple of corners come in. So, I think there will there will be some competition at that corner spot next year. Not saying Tony Mitchell's going to come in and start right away, but uh, he definitely has that kind of talent. Lester, this is the guy I'm talking about. This is an Alabama caliber prospect. Talk about Tony Mitchell and what we're getting out of this DB from Thompson, Alabama. Big, long, rangy defensive back. Kind of in the same mold as Kool-Aid. Hopefully he's a dog. I'm expecting gas station picks and grills and stuff here pretty soon. Um, But, yeah, hopefully the guy, he has all the measurables already. Um, Hopefully he can come in and contribute. You know, hopefully he won't, you know, come in with a good attitude, maybe space, play some special teams. Maybe he's one of those guys that'll that'll in, that'll impress Saban um pretty early on uh, when it's time, but it it is huge. Anytime when you have homegrown talent, anytime you have a guy who's what an hour from Tuscaloosa and is a five-star, you have got to get those guys signed and on campus. And it's even more important now in the NIL um era where guys can buy them away from their own state so um i think it's a huge get it is very important and uh looking forward to see what that guy does um on the capstone whenever he gets here yeah very important to continue the the pipeline from thompson to to alabama and j law you know this guy's talking about he said my first two targets are caleb downs the uh safety and uh, five-star safety, and then Carmani McLean, the, the number one DB that's uh, a Florida lean right now. Alabama's been in the mix since day one with him. Uh, so, hopefully, you know, he can do some recruiting for us. Uh, but, you know, J-Law, you told me after this guy committed, they're like, all right, you, you locked down your Thompson guy. Now go south to, to Carver, Alabama, or to Montgomery, Alabama, to Carver High School and get your James Smith, your Russell. You know, you got to have those two guys, if not both, at least one. Uh, you know, we talked about D linemen. Talk about the the D line situation Alabama's in, and and the guys they need to go after. We talked about Peter Woods and, and James Smith. Those two guys cannot get away. Am I right? Yeah. So I mean, I, we recruited defensive ends so well the last few years. I mean, even when Will and when Will goes next year, I mean, the guys that we put in on, on last year's class. I mean, you got Campbell to rush the edge. You signed another one. So. 
this should be like if there is ever a year to have two five-star defensive linemen, two top 25 overall guys and the number one defensive lineman in the nation in your state, like this, this is the year Alabama and they need two dogs in the middle of that defense. Woods is a run stopper, man. Like he, he can in high school, he's a guy that can blow up a center and put pressure on the quarterback, but that guy's he's a clog the middle player while Peter Woods is, you know, he's, he's going to give you an interior pass rush also physical and stop the run. And so like, you need both of those guys. Like if Russell leaves the state and you'd love to keep him, don't get me wrong. There's six, five stars in Alabama uh, in the state. If Georgia gets one and Alabama gets five, like I'll, or if Georgia gets two and we get four, I'll be fine. But I'd rather be, you know, five to one with Alabama getting both guys from Carver. They already got Hurley. They already got Mitchell locking down Peter Woods on the eighth would be huge. So if you're going to get two five-star defensive linemen in state, that grew up Alabama fans, dude, it's right in front of you. You need to find a way um, to, to make that happen. But the rest of this class, you mentioned Caleb Downs, not out of the question. A lot of people like Alabama to land one of the five-star offensive tackles, whether it's uh, Okunloa, um, Maguire, or Caden Proctor. Um, so, like, there's still a lot of options out there for Bama, along with the number one running back in the class, Richard Young. So, this could be a star-studded five-star class and it, it, it's a it's almost an unprecedented in-state class and we thought last year was like really good for for in-state guys but this year is even better like this is a haul so if you can get four four stars from the state and you can do your national recruiting like you've been able to do for a while um i like it i like downs i like mclean alabama's gonna be set in the defensive backfield but they have got to go get uh, really good, I think, middle linebacker in this class. That's not the JUCO guy that just committed, and they've got to figure out get to get one tackle. That's really good because nobody's sold on the tackles that ain't, that we have on campus right now, I don't think. And uh, you've got – I mean, you've got to just get that defensive line figured out. Yeah, nobody's sold on our four or five-star tackles that we've gotten over the last two years. It's pretty scary. But, uh, hey, it is what it is. Hopefully uh, we'll get some offensive line development. You know, and, and, you know, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to try to get you guys one podcast a week, you know, covering different topics. Next week we're going to try to do, you know, some best skill players of the Saban era, um, you know, quarterback, running back, receiver, DB, inside linebacker maybe. We'll – uh. We'll come up with a list. I know we've done that before. If you followed us since Hot Takes with J-Lo and Chase, I know we've done this a couple of times. But, you know, with every year, whenever it just gets better and better. I mean, you know, before last year, you would say a lot of people would have Matt Jones at the top of their list for Alabama quarterbacks. Now, after 2021, you might you might have your mind changed a little bit with the performance that Bryce Young gave you throughout the season. Um, so, we'll, we'll do a list of our – our best ofs of the Saban era um, might try to get a guest on. We're not sure uh, if you would like to be a guest and you're listening to this uh, contact me. Um, you know, if you don't have my, my cell phone number and you're listening to this, you can DM me on Twitter at uh, JC Thornton 16. Um, but uh, guys, you have anything else before we hop off here? Yeah, I forgot to mention Kelby Collins. He's at Gardendale. He's not oh, a yeah. five-star, but um, a top top ten defensive lineman in the country. Alabama definitely wants that guy, too. Absolutely. Um, and he's more of a quick twitch guy, too, right? He's about 270 pounds, like a Quinn Williams type, or is he a bigger guy? 
Yeah, right at right at 265, you know, Peter Woods at 275. But they, you just love Woods' explosiveness to, to blow up a play. Smith's at 320. So, you like, you know what you're going to get from that guy. No doubt, man. Well, uh, we appreciate y'all listening in. Um, sorry for my cracker rant, so to speak. Uh, it's just very frustrating when you haven't had any players of that caliber have any success at your program and you continue to give them scholarships. Um, by the way, Dane Shore, we like signed him and then like he never even made it to campus. He's like quit football. Like you remember that. Um, so just a, another, just a legit wasted scholarship. Can't get more of a wasted scholarship than that. But uh, till next week, hopefully guys, it's episode 61, the Gumpinners podcast, Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, Jeremy Law. We'll talk to you all next week.